welcome to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast, where two buddies from college review and preview Penn State football and the big college games. Okay, it's time for kickoff. Hello and welcome to the Caleb and Phil football podcast. We are getting you prepared for week four, week five of the NCAA season. Man, time is flying by. How are you doing, Phil? I am great, Caleb. So we got a new couch this weekend, which was awesome. Uh, the only bad thing was that I spent a good amount of the afternoon Saturday falling asleep. And uh, right now, as we are recording, I am eagerly anticipating the brownies that LB is making upstairs. So uh, I'm pretty fabulous. How about you? Yeah, not as good. Our refrigerator may have crapped out here. We'll see. We cleaned it out, got uh, all the ice out of the freezer and everything. We got it all dusted and everything. My parents were fortunate enough. They brought a mini fridge, so we were able to save a few things. We'll uh, test it out tomorrow. Hopefully, we don't have to be. We won't be fridge shopping in the near future. Yeah, the fridge shopping is. Uh, we did that last spring. Not not something you want to do. And now we're looking at our uh, dishwasher. So. We feel your burden right now. We feel the Huffer burden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, did you see the story about uh, Derek King? Yeah, this Houston quarterback, because now you can play up to four games, redshirt. So he's going to redshirt a year and sit out the rest of the year. Yeah, and uh, I'm pretty sure that there's a certain team that does really good with quarterbacks who's in need of a quarterback next season. <laughs> How convenient. Yeah, and from what I've heard, yeah, this Derek King guy is pretty good. His dad played at least college, maybe the NFL is too. He has what, like, a, I think Derek King has a rushing touchdown, a passing touchdown every game this season. It goes back to last season, like 10 games in a row or something like that. He's he's a good dual-threat quarterback. Perfect, it seems, for Lincoln Riley's system. Yeah, he has. I think he already has 12 touchdowns on the season. And and so, yeah, he was going to sit th- sit out. He did say, like, I want to come back and play for Houston. So I don't know if he's just hoping that uh, Dana Holgerson can reload the weapons at Houston. But uh, if I'm him and I can take advantage of this rule, why not go to the quarterback whisperer? And, uh, yeah, Derek King's being talked up big time. And the the stats seem to suggest that that's a good reason to be talked up. He's, he's performing at a high level. Um, and now he'll be sitting on the couch at a high level for a few months as well yeah well let's get into last week of course we got to start with those upsets first on Mm -hmm. friday night number 10 utah upset by usc uh familiar story here slavis gets injured the backup comes in fink throws 350 yards three touchdowns uh usc comes back and pulls off the victory yeah that was a that was a crazy win to look at. Uh, Utah is one of those teams where they're either like whenever they beat Georgia, whenever Matthew Stafford was their quarterback, and I think it was the Sugar Bowl, or they're just a team that's overrated. Uh, and I don't know if this is a case that they're overrated or if it's just a case of USC is a good team. And I don't know. I get tired of the storyline that their coach was at Helton yeah. is always on the hot seat. I mean, the dude won a Rose Bowl. He's put together good teams. His third-string quarterback is even playing well. So um, I may – maybe cut him a little bit of slack there yeah it seems like yeah got injured second play of the game did Slavis so Fink basically played the whole game looks like it might have been a head injury you don't get quite as much information on injuries from college as you do the NFL so Mm -hmm. no speculation here if it's a concussion or anything like that but um 
Pittman, Michael Pittman Jr., 10 catches, 232 yards, and a touchdown. So seems like Fink kind of just threw it up, let his talented wide receivers do their thing, and worked out. Yeah, it seems like a good strategy to me. Uh, and, you know, Caleb, the, the next game that we were looking at was Pitt versus University of Central Florida. Surprised by the result of that game and, and some of the stats from it? Yeah, well, I mean, Pitt always seems to pull this one upset every year. They beat Clemson a few years ago, USC, UCF this year. They beat Penn State the year. Penn State almost made it to the playoffs. So seems like a yearly thing for Pitt here. First regular season loss in 27 games for UCF. Wow. Pitt. Got up to a 21 nothing lead, so put him on upset alert right away. UCF responded by scoring 31 in a row, so you thought maybe Pitt was done. Then they used the Philly special to win the game with about a minute to go. Of course, uh, Pat Narduzzi, though, having to trying to trademark it as his own as the Pitt special, even though it was clearly the exact same play that the Eagles used in the Super Bowl, even though it didn't work. It didn't seem like it was as crisp as the Eagles used it for. Yeah, definitely not as crisp as whenever uh, whenever Foles caught that pass. Uh, I mean, the pit quarterback, as he caught it, it was sliding across the goal line. It almost looked like he wasn't going to bring it in uh, maybe for like half a second. But, yeah, you know, they did a good job. They they pulled off the win and the upset. Uh, I'm kind of bummed about UCF losing, uh, although I saw somebody on Twitter say thank you in advance for the, like, one month of, of debates that's going to be settled right now about should UCF be in the playoffs or not. Uh, and I think Pitt beating UCF does a lot for Penn State, too, because especially considering how close, you know, we played uh, Pitt whenever we, we had him two weeks ago. Yeah, it will be nice to not have to worry about the talk, even though maybe it'll transfer over back to Boise State now, since I think Boise State's still undefeated. They'll probably be the, maybe be the highest ranked team if they keep winning the highest ranked non-Power 5 team still ranked. So right, we still might get that talk if Boise State runs the table, but... Uh, UCF is definitely done for the year with any playoff talk. Not that they would have gotten in anyways. Yeah. Next one we had here, crazy game. UCLA completing a 32-point comeback to beat number 19 Washington State, 67-63. to I think it's the most or second most points all time in Pac-12 history. Mm-hmm. It was a 49-17 lead. According to ESPN, Washington had a 99.9% chance to win at that point. That was in the third quarter. Over nearly 1,400 total yards of offense, 50 points by UCLA in the second half alone. The killer there, though, was six Washington State turnovers. Whew. It's like the Niners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, except the Steelers. Yeah. yeah. Going to pull both of them in. Um, yeah. Thompson Robinson for UCLA, 507 yards passing, seven total touchdowns, five passing, two rushing, only one interception. So that was, again, their key. He only threw the one pick. Uh, Gordon for Washington State, 570 yards, nine passing touchdowns. Holy crap. But two interceptions. I think he fumbled the ball once or twice. His nine touchdowns ties Gardner Minshew's record, though, and we know how uh, Minshew's kind of taken the NFL by storm down there in Jacksonville. The Minshew magic. Yeah, I was even I was even thinking before we looked at that. Um I was like, man, it seems like uh, Washington State is is channeling the men's shoe magic, as uh, as we've heard it called in, in other places. Yeah, I mean, looking at the score at the end of this game, I just thought, holy cow, like, what what happened to defense there? But I uh, shouldn't be too surprised considering the offense is going up and, and the two teams, uh, it, especially regarding UCLA, it seems like the defense hasn't really been uh, – too present so you know good for chip kelly to to get this win pull off this upset and uh washington state you know 
better luck next week. Yeah, not too surprising. Chip Kelly versus Mike Leach there. And mm-hmm. then this other thing here, if if you could play fantasy football for college, Washington State had seven receivers with six touchdown or sixty plus yards, six of them with a touchdown. So you could have six fantasy relevant wide receivers just from Washington State alone, led by Winston with ten catches, over a hundred yards, and four touchdowns. Just some fun if you're a statistician, just a fun numbers to look at there. Yeah, and uh, I think Yahoo does do the does do the college uh, fantasy football. But even then, I don't know how many people would have thought before this weekend. Uh, you know what? We're going to pick uh, we're going to pick some people from Washington State. Uh, certainly, you know, they're top 25 and they do have Mike Leach as a coach who, you know, even though he says like the craziest stuff in interviews, yeah. You can't deny the the brilliance within um but yeah. The uh, next upset we had here, Colorado with their second upset of the year, this time over number 24, Arizona State. Arizona State just getting ranked after their upset of Michigan State the week before. This is the exact same score, ironically, when they beat Nebraska. And hmm. uh, their game-winning field goal, 44-yarder, not easy, as we saw with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFL on the Sunday with uh, two minutes to go to spring the upset for Colorado. Yeah, good for them. Uh, what's their their – their wide receiver was it Lavisca Chanot or is it Chanot? Uh, or am I saying it not correctly at all? I think Chanot. That sounds sounds right. Yeah, it, it looks like a French type last name. Physical wide receiver, and and he's getting a lot of talk about first rounds uh, in my franchise in Madden. I drafted him in the first round uh, one year, and uh, yeah, he. It just seems like the Colorado team is one of those like sneaky quiet teams too, kind of like Pitt that can pull off a big upset and then kind of fall out of relevancy for a while. Uh, I mean, Colorado's done it twice and this will probably, I would, I would guess bring them pretty close to, to being back in the top 25. If they, if they keep winning over the next couple weeks uh, as well. Yeah. And then the last one we had here, SMU upsetting number 25 TCU 41, 38, First time that SMU starts 4-0 since 1984, the death penalty really did it. Uh, they'd kill them, it seems like, for a while there. Mm-hmm. TCU's quarterback, Max Dugan, uh, under 50% completion percentage, only 188 yards. He did have three touchdowns, but fumbled the ball three times. That's a killer there. Yeah, you, you got to hold the ball. Uh, you know, you're going to get big hits, but you got to hold on to it. You, if you if you drop it, um, and if you if you just can't, keep your possession with it i mean you can't win games and and i know that's a well duh sort of statement but i i get i see some of the these players out there and and some of the times and i i have not watched this game so i don't know what the fumbles look like but there's some times where a player gets hit and i just think if you if you're just holding the ball a little tighter or if you're holding it more consistently or if you're using both hands uh, and again i haven't seen these fumbles so i don't know what they look like but I do think that to a degree, you can probably manage, especially if you fumbled, you know, two times, maybe thinking ahead, like, I should probably be more cautious. Maybe it's just me, though. Yeah. And we don't have it out on our outline here, but I'm just wondering, T- once TCU joined the Big 12, it was kind of like, oh, a mid-major school gets to join a big power conference and show that 
Uh, they should make the playoff all these times. I think TCU finished one year uh, ranked number three in the final poll or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they just barely missed the making the BCS. And then, but ever since then, they've kind of, they've been ranked here and there, never had that great season. So maybe that's kind of why UCF, Boise State, these other mid teams that are still mid-majors aren't getting their chance in the playoffs. Maybe TCU kind of ruined it for them. Yeah, maybe. Um, was it Andy Dalton? Was that the Andy Dalton days of TCU? So. Yeah, so, um, I mean, unless you go all the way back to, I think it was Jared Zabransky, who was the quarterback from Boise State whenever they beat Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, otherwise, I could see that, you know. Um, Gary Patterson and, uh, you know, just not being able to, to keep them consistent, keep them at a high level there. Uh, it's a bummer because they were fun to watch too, especially whenever they were first coming onto the scene as this, like, underrated school. I myself had no idea whenever they first came onto this – under the scene. Then again, I hadn't really been watching too much uh, football at the time. I had no idea what TCU stood for. And and now they're they're almost like a household name. Um, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, let's, let's look at Big Ten football, specifically the game that I think you and I both knew what was going to happen, uh, Wisconsin and Michigan. And that was a really easy win for for Wisconsin there. I mean, Jonathan Taylor has over 200 yards on the ground, 203 with two touchdowns. Uh, and in the meantime, it just seemed like Michigan could establish no real offensive trend. Patterson gets benched for McCaffrey, who then goes out with an injury. So now Patterson may be playing next week. Um, I mean, I know you're not surprised by the results of this, Caleb, but are you surprised by the fact that it was a three-score victory? Yeah, and really, well, at least one of the touchdowns was a garbage time touchdown. You yeah. can debate whether the third quarter touchdown was also a garbage time touchdown there, since it was thirty-five nothing at that point. First time Wisconsin had allowed a point all year. I think they so they scored the first hundred forty-five points um, of the year, which was just them hundred forty-five nothing to start the year. Oof. Man, and then I think. Even if you go back to the bowl game last year, they shut out whoever they played. I forget who they played for an, a quarter or two. So they had some long streak going. So I guess the, they were trying to keep that alive. So maybe we won't call the third quarter one a garbage time touchdown. But Wisconsin really showing. I think we talked last week. Ohio State's clearly the best team in the Big Ten. Then there was the mm-hmm. group of four or five teams the next tier down. I think Wisconsin's clearly the second best team in the Big Ten right now. And Michigan State, or I'm sorry, Michigan moves to the bottom of that tier. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there's a lot of talk on Harbaugh, and, and I wrestle with this because on the one hand, I know Harbaugh's a good coach. We we saw it at Stanford. We saw it with the 49ers. But what's the disconnect? Why can't this success translate to Michigan? Michigan seems to be, like, starved for success ever since Lloyd Carr retired. And they, you know, they tried Rich Rodriguez, didn't pan out. They tried Brady Hoke, you know, didn't pan out. And now it seems like this Jim Harbaugh, experiences like people want to believe in them and and you see how high they rank them but then they they don't meet expectations ever yeah i mean nine ten wins a year is better than six or seven once they were getting once uh, lloyd card retired with all those other mm-hmm. coaches so it's kind of like the they're stuck in a hard place right now do they try to go for a better coach but how many better coaches are out there we know yeah we've seen harbaugh win but both levels nfl college but yeah, whenever it's a road game and he's an underdog, the 
they can't seem to show up. They get blown out. We saw at Penn State a couple years ago. We mm-hmm. see it at Ohio State pretty much every every year. Every time they play at Ohio State, so it'll be every other year. We see it here now. So, yeah, there's something about playing on the road. Michigan seems to only be able to play well when they're favored, when they know they're the better team, when they clearly are the better team, and when they're playing in their com- comfy com- confines of the big house. Yeah, and and you said something there, you know, who's a better coach that they could replace Harbaugh with? And I can't really at this point I can't really think of too many. Um and and I think some of the offensive struggles too in this case it may just be more of a and, and I hate to say it because he was a a Penn State coach. Some of it falls on Gaddis or their OC and some of the plays that they're that they're drawing up um, needs to find some more creativity. But yeah, I, I can't think of anybody right now aside from you know like Nick Saban who I would say he's the one he's the one I want you know? yeah I mean yeah yeah when I said that yeah, obviously you mean better and available Nick Saban's right. not leaving to go there Dabo Sweeney's not leaving to go there Urban mm-hmm. Meyer's not coming out of retirement to go to Michigan maybe yes. we've heard some rumors about maybe him going to USC if that job opens up but yeah no maybe some coaches who are on the same equal level as him and maybe just a fresh start would help it out but I don't know if there's anyone available who's definitely better than him maybe they could beg Kellen more uh, but hey how about this Ohio State game specifically the second quarter by Fields yeah six touchdowns in one quarter for Justin Fields he's definitely showed why he was the number one recruit coming out of high school a couple of years ago still not sure why he wanted to go to Georgia when uh, they were coming off the near national title win over Alabama still mm-hmm. seems kind of silly for him to do that but he's uh, definitely doing great now with Ohio State uh, Ohio State did trail in this game 5 nothing, ironically before scoring 76 in a row fields that I don't think even played at all in the second half though obviously you don't need to do that when you're up 35 to 5 or so at halftime yeah I don't think I mean the the 5 at the beginning was maybe a little nerve-wracking, but I, I think once the Ohio State uh, engine started rolling, there's really no doubt that they're going to win this. The six touchdowns in the second quarter for Fields, yeah, it is electrifying. It's a, it's a bummer that this kid, you know, had, had committed to Penn State and decommitted. Uh, would have been fun to have seen what he could have done for uh, the Nittany Lions, but – and, yeah. For now, you know, it's nice for him that he gets the opportunity to play ball. Uh, I was like you. I was very puzzled about why he picked Georgia. I thought this team's a team that almost won the national championship. They have an established quarterback. Like, what do you think is going to happen here, especially since he's only a year ahead of you? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, his, him transferring is probably one of the best things he could have done for his, for his own career. Because at least at this point, Caleb, I think um, – early signs say that we'll probably watch him play on some Sundays too. Yeah. You would think as of right now. Yeah. Still, still really, really early, but you know, thoughts down the line. Yep. Next one we got here, Michigan state rebounding with a nice win over Northwestern. Some people picked Northwestern to win the big 10 West. That's not looking great right now. They lost to Stanford earlier in the year. They only have one win on the year. They got a tough schedule coming up ahead of them. I don't know if they're, they're going to struggle to even get bowl eligible at this point. Yeah, it's a shame. They have a top-notch coach, and uh, it's a smaller it's a smaller school, and it's just hard to to get the athletes to commit there. But it, it is fun whenever you see Northwestern play well in the West. Um, but yeah, they Sparty rolled and and crushed them there. Uh, Nebraska just barely getting by Illinois, forty-two to thirty-eight. That is another loss for Lovey Smith. Um, I asked you. Uh, 
last time or the time before you love and lovey i'm gonna ask that question again caleb you you love and lovey um you know there's no moral victories in college football or any sports but this was a pretty close win over nebraska was probably favored here big time even though they weren't ranked anymore you got it close Mm -hmm. so maybe this kind of sparks something get some a couple wins this year maybe they get a little something rolling here but uh, again i'm not really too confident with lovey smith in illinois right now yeah i gotta gotta keep pushing and uh you know, whenever you score that many points, it's it's always a bummer. You know, there's 42-38 games. It, it's got to be crushing for the losing team to think, especially if you're on the offense. I put up this many points, or we put up this many points, and we still lost. Yeah, it, it's a bummer. Uh, next game, Rutgers, they dropped to Boston College, 30-16. Uh, to 16, Boston College rebounding after losing to Les Miles and uh, Kansas team. And Rutgers continuing to, to really struggle ever since – uh, like Ray Rice was there was a running back over a decade ago. Yeah, it's kind of like Boston College lost to the worst team in the Big Twelve. Now they're beating the worst team here in the Big Ten. So I guess that means Rutgers might be the worst team in the one, the Power Five conferences here. Yeah, and I would not be too shocked by that. You know, Rutgers comes into the Big Ten same time as Maryland, and around that time, you know, again we thought, or or I thought at least, because Rutgers was a season or two away removed from Ray Rice and Greg Schiano was was their coach or had just left. Uh, I thought they were going to come in and they were going to enhance the the resume and the reputation of the Big 10. But I mean, I somebody's got to somebody's got to dwell in the bottom. So in this case it's a it's the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers. Yeah, I thought they would put up at least a little bit better fight than they have over the last few years, but clearly that's not to be Final game we got here, Indiana shutting down UConn 38-3. That's not too big of a surprise. UConn really isn't a great team either. No, they're – yeah, that, that was a very easy win uh, for Indiana. There, I haven't watched enough of them yet to really be able to form a good opinion on them. Um, I'll just say they're currently on the Big Ten Network as we are recording. So, um, you know, that might be a game worth uh, checking out later. Or yeah. actually just ended. Okay. Yeah, so let's get. We had some other big games this week, not just in the Big Ten. We had number eight Auburn holding off to beat number seventeen Texas A&M twenty-eight to twenty. Bo Nix just thrown for a hundred yards, only twenty pass attempts, the one touchdown here, so he didn't need to do much. Auburn had a couple big plays early on in the game to go up fourteen nothing, and they kind of just played some solid defense, ran the ball a bunch, and just let their uh, yeah let it let it roll and hold on and. Didn't make their quarter their freshman quarterback do too much. Kellen Mond, again, another uneven performance for him. While the Texas AM running game didn't have anything going. 21 carries, just 2.7 yards per carry. So that doesn't really help Kellen Mond, though, in the passing game. Yeah, I mean, Kellen Mond, I'm glad you brought it up uh, an episode ago or two where you talked about Kellen Mond saying he's the best quarterback in the SEC. Uh, I, again, just just don't say those things. And, and let me give that a tip to any younger listeners. Don't go out there and say you are the best, you know, just to, just to like create waves. It, it's not worth it. You open yourself up to criticism. You set an unreasonable, um, you set an unreasonable burden on your back. Now, one thing from this game that I am concerned about Bo Nix, 
people talk him up and I think we forget in week one, Bonex looks pretty terrible for the first chunk of that game. And then we look at these stats, 12 for 20, like you said, only a hundred yards passing and a touchdown against number 17, Texas A&M. And that might be fine for number 17, Texas A&M, but how long can Auburn keep winning these games with really what I would consider pretty subpar performances from a quarterback? I get he's a freshman, but we've seen freshmen play well too. Yeah. I wonder if this year was just kind of a great game script thing. You didn't need to do much with the early lead, so you don't mm-hmm. put too much pressure on him. But yeah, if you want to beat LSU, you want to beat Auburn, you want to beat Georgia, you got to definitely play Bama. much better. Yeah, Bama, you got to play much better than you did tonight or yeah. this weekend. Yeah, I really enjoyed the Georgia Notre Dame game. Um, you're, you know, it, it does start off pretty slowly. Um, Georgia fumbles a punt and they score 16 after trailing 10 to seven. I mean, I'm, I'm just really impressed by Fromm. he has, he has great touch passes. He does a great job resisting pressure, keeping eyes downfield, making those deep throws. I was, I was really impressed by what I saw with Georgia again. Yeah. He didn't have great numbers either, you know, more than a hundred yards than Bo Nix did. But right. he made the key throws. When when they needed a first down, he got that first down, usually with his arm. They obviously, DeAndre Swift, great running back. Georgia has a history of great running backs. They got, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, Todd Gurley, plenty of great running backs in the NFL right now. DeAndre Swift seems to be the next one coming up. But Fromm is still the key to that team. He gets the key throws when he needs them, and it was a good win for Georgia. Yeah, we, we've seen a lot of good from Fromm while he's been playing there. Um, and, you know, Notre Dame, they they had their moments too. They they had a couple touchdowns. They only lost 23-17, to 17 and uh, I was pretty impressed by that because Notre Dame is another one of those teams where sometimes I wonder – like they're a team that I actually, despite being a Penn State fan and, and a lot of my family really despising Notre Dame, I actually like to watch them – do well because they are one of those classic teams uh, in college football that was good and they aren't Alabama or USC. So, you know, I'll, I'll root for them and then they'll lose a game that makes me scratch my head. And, and that was more so Charlie Weiss time, especially, but watching, uh, watching this game, I was, I was disappointed, but not surprised, I guess. Yeah. The, I think Georgia was a two touchdown favorite coming into this game. So people thought Georgia was going to win this one big. So definitely a respectable performance by Notre Dame going down there, pull, keeping it close the whole game, leading for a little bit there, but yeah, just couldn't quite pull off the upset. Yeah. The next game we have here, not an upset or anything. Number 23 Cal surviving against Ole Miss 28 to 20. However, it seemed like Ole Miss scored with 13 seconds to go. The guy, the referee right on the goal line there called him short. Ole Miss was out of timeout, so they had to run up. Clock was ticking, so they had to run up. They ran a quarterback sneak to try to score before time ran out again. However, the play was never reviewed. So I know you kind of you don't want to give Ole Miss a free timeout there, but I feel like you got to review that play. We only really got the one good angle, so the referee's right there on the goal line. So I feel like you do kind of have to trust him that's calling that he was calling him short. But I think as soon as he caught the ball, the ball was in the end zone. So obviously they still need to get the two point conversion to even force overtime. So maybe Cal still wins this game, but not great refereeing there. I don't think. Yeah. And I, I think there's just this like curse early in the, in the season at the pro and the collegiate level of 
a pretty mediocre officiating. Uh, and, you know, it could just be that just like the players need time to adjust, so do the officials. But yeah, those sort of those sort of plays, it's just such a bummer whenever such a minor technicality could lead to a loss like that, uh, especially for a team like like Ole Miss as they're as they're playing a ranked team. Uh, and, and it would be a good win for the program who uh, who could use one right around now. Yeah, they had their time against Alabama a few years ago. Laquan Treadwell leading them at wide receiver, even though he turned out to be a pretty big bust in the NFL with the Vikings. I think they just re-signed him, though, so maybe he'll get a second chance there. Yeah, they did re-sign him. Vikings down to three healthy receivers uh, is the is the line that I saw. So, you know, we'll see if uh, if he can help out. Now, um, Old Dominion, as, as a current resident of Virginia, Old Dominion has been like a bane to my state's existence. Especially first with beating and upsetting Virginia Tech last year, and then for most of the game before, you know, or most of the game this weekend, um, almost beating Virginia, who was who's ranked the highest it's been in recent memory for me. They're ranked number twenty-one right now. They they are able to pull off the win and win twenty-eight to seventeen. But yeah, Old Dominion, they're uh, they were they were a little scary, Caleb. Yeah, I think they led 17-14 either late in the fourth, late in the third, early in the fourth. Virginia is that what it getting, was? Yeah, getting two touchdowns late, so even closer than the score appeared there. But uh, yeah, good. Old Dominion's putting up some fights there against some of their in-state rivals. Yeah, it's it's good for it's good for their program too. Gives them uh, a little bit of note. But now let's uh, let's put the past behind us and let's look forward, Caleb. This Friday, whenever my school day ends, I'm jumping in my Honda CRV and I am driving to meet my father-in-law and then we will be driving to go watch the Penn State Maryland game. It is one of those 8 p.m. games on FS1, uh, part of the Big Ten contract, so they're trying to get some some good games on there. Uh, this is going to start off the Big Ten schedule for Penn State and Maryland, so it's uh, it's fun. It's not the end of the season. It's or it's right smack there at the beginning. Penn State currently a six and a half point favorite. They're number twelve in the AP, number eleven in the coaches poll, and this is the first road game for Penn State. So the first three games we've been able to hang out at home against you know Idaho, Buffalo, and, and Pitt, and we've had the crowd on our side. Even though it is a road game, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say though it it still basically is going to be a home game. Uh, the crowd for Penn State travels very well whenever they play Maryland, probably because they can get cheaper tickets there than they can at Beaver Stadium. Penn State leads the series uh, 39-2-1 all-time versus Maryland, and they're on a four-game win streak against Maryland as well. The The only time that they have lost to Maryland as part of Big Ten was that first year whenever Stefan Diggs uh, refused to shake hands with uh, the Penn State captains. It was a 38-3 win last year, very decisive win, a lot of rushing yards put up, and Maryland started this season off you know, 2-0 and then dropped a game to another Pennsylvania team, Temple. It should be a fun game. It's a Friday night game under the lights. Um, and, yeah, Big Ten football for Penn State is here, Caleb. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Last year, Maryland had, like I think, like an epidemic of quarterback injuries last year that mm-hmm. pushed Tyrell Pigram into action against Maryland or against Penn State as it was the final game of the regular season. This year, Josh Jackson is back at quarterback, although he's only attempted 100 throws so far this year. 51%, eight touchdowns, two interceptions. Not great, not terrible. It's definitely they're led by their rushing attack. Anthony McFarland, Javon Leak, 
Jake Funk, and Tayon Fleet Davis, all over 100 yards rushing so far this year. Six yards per carry average for the team. Two of those guys have a 10 yards per carry average. So they got some big playability there in their backfield. Yeah, I was pretty shocked whenever I looked at Josh Jackson's stats with how electrifying Maryland was the first two weeks uh, against Howard and Syracuse. I really thought that he would have more numbers. But yeah, it's it's the run game there, which theoretically should help Penn State out. Um, Penn State with a really solid line. You tore Grosmato, Shaka Tony. You know, we got the linebacker core uh, led by Micah Parsons. Uh, but then there's a there's this weird issue with Buffalo, and, and we saw spurts of it with Pitt too, where they were able to get some good runs off. Uh, and so I I don't know what do you think is going to be a key to to beating Maryland uh, this week? Yeah, that might be it. Just stop the run game early, force them into the passing game. Josh Jackson, as we said, just barely over fifty percent completion percentage, so he's not very efficient there. Um, only two interceptions, so maybe I don't know if how many are if there's any dropped interceptions or anything in there. Maybe if we can get him thrown a little bit more, get some more third and long situations. Um, so that'll be tougher for him to complete, get those yard, long yardage needed, and maybe get another interception or two to spark the defense. Yeah, I, I would agree with all that. I think uh, another big key here is we have to start off stronger. I'm I'm done with the second half team stuff, Caleb. I'm I'm ready for us to play ball and play it all four quarters, not just the last two. Sean Clifford, for me, I think he needs to come out and, and set a clear tone. I think the coaches need to let him sling the ball around and and get some deep passes. You know, we have Jahan Dotson who has shown he can catch the deep ball, get the ball into KJ Hamler's hands. He can take a, you know, a five yard pass and turn it into an, an 80 yard run, or he can take a one yard pass and turn it into a 97 yard run. Get it to Pat Fryermuth. He's a big boy. He can catch as well. So let Clifford throw here, help him build some confidence as we get into the tougher part of our schedule. Yeah. And on the offensive side, you mentioned a little bit. Penn State ran for over 300 yards last year against this team. Sanders led the way with 128 yards. Ricky Slade at 64 yards. Trace also at 64 yards. So get the running game going here. Maybe let Slade get back into it. He had success last year against Maryland. He also had two rushing touchdowns. Maybe that'll get him back in his groove. You know, it doesn't really matter to me who exactly the running back is, whether it's him, Journey Brown, Noah Kane, whoever. Just maybe get the running game going. Take some load off of uh, Sean Clifford there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Journey Brown right now is leading Penn State with 21 attempts, 175 yards. Uh, he's averaging 8.3 yards a touch. Granted, 85 of those yards came on one running play. Uh, Ricky Slate up to this point has been pretty disappointing. 12 attempts, 21 yards, so he's only averaging 1.8 yards per carry. His long run is a six-yard run. Uh, but yeah, maybe this can be the breakout game for him. You know, I, I still believe Ricky Slade can can play well. We saw it last year. He can he can do it again. Um, it's going to be really important for them to establish a clear running game, especially with with how Big Ten football is played. It's not like SEC where it's just everybody you know throw the ball as far as you can and and Big Twelve. Um, Big Ten football is a little different. You know, you you have the boys of Wisconsin and those dominant linemen. You see the same thing in Iowa. Uh, and, you know, you see guys like Dobbins being able to run the ball well for Ohio State. So establishing a run game is important. We're very fortunate that we have four really good running backs, and we just have to figure out, uh, you know, who do we want to make the feature back? Because I do think that there is value 
and letting one person go in and get into a rhythm. Looks like, and, and we've seen this before, or we've said something similar to it before, Noah Keane looks like the kind of guy that can do that. Uh, he's a really good goal line back. And, and again, even though I'm not a, a huge fan of uh, some of the stuff that he puts out on Twitter, uh, I, I am a fan of what I see of him on the field. Uh, I really like Devin Ford as well. They're Both those guys are young backs. Uh, I mean, Granted, so is Ricky Slade uh, and, and company, but uh, I think one of those two guys I would like to see uh, what happens if we just let them be the feature back for, you know, maybe not even a whole game, but just for a quarter. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, maybe give them more than one drive at a time there, especially if they get going on the first drive, there, where, you know, whether it's Penn State's first drive or their first drive in general. Maybe that'll get them a little kickstart there and – finally be able to decide who is the lead rusher on this team. Yeah, I think that's going to be something really important for us to decide as we get into uh, Big Ten football. Now, with Maryland, too, uh, one thing that that we have going for us is a great kicking game. Jordan Stout, friend of the show, uh, you know, he nails that 57-yard field goal in the last game. And uh, in addition, he's just the king of touchbacks. All of Maryland's team has only attempted – one field goal this season and it was missed i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say i imagine maryland's gonna have to go for more field goals uh, and so they're gonna need to have some sort of support if they want to have any shot of of uh, being successful in, in this game and uh you know i obviously hope that we don't let them into field goal range too often but uh, i think the lack of experience and important kicks for maryland is another advantage that we have as part of that six and a half point um, favorite. Yeah, it was the field goal they missed was over 40 yards. So mm-hmm. almost kind of average by college standards. Right. But uh, yeah, 21 to 22 and extra points. So they even missed one of those. It looks like that was their second or third string place kicker though. Joe Petrino being the main guy there. He's 18 for 18. So I wouldn't worry too much about him missing one during the game for an extra point. But yeah, if he can, stall him out around the 20 30 yard line force him into a medium or longer field goal you know get some pressure on him to um, kick a longer field goal and maybe they'll miss it again yeah hey uh, so you know um, another big part of this too they have keandre jones uh, i believe he's a linebacker with three and a half sacks right now we're gonna have to do a good job blocking how do you think our line's been been playing so far this season caleb yeah it hasn't been great i don't think um not not too terrible terribly hard opponents there so far they did a good job obviously against idaho but as the competition got tougher they did perform a little worse Pitt had some good good time against them um especially early in the game so hopefully they'll be able to stack it up a little bit better this time yeah, we need, I, I'm with you on that. I think we need to see the line do a better job protecting Sean Clifford and making those holes so that our running backs can can find good spots to to burst through and run. Uh, Sean Clifford, yeah, no, he needs that time. Granted, he is, he is a mobile quarterback, but I think if you're running all the time, not too, too many quarterbacks I know that, that can have consistent success on the run. Yeah, you mentioned Keandre Jones. They have nine other guys with at least a half a sack but no one else with more than one sack. So you might not have to worry about one other guy specifically, but they are able to get to the after the quarterback as a unit. Yes, absolutely. Um, but, you know, again, this is a team, uh, and this is a game where 
I know you and I, we were texting back and forth the first couple weeks. We were, we were nervous about Maryland. Uh, and I don't want to say I'm not nervous now because they are two and one and, and they've put up a ton of points. But after that Temple loss, you know, I am not maybe as scared of them as I should be. What do you think? Yeah, I completely agree. I'm feeling if Maryland had beat Temple, especially if they had blown them out, probably would have been a three-point spread, if not even smaller than that, with how Penn State didn't play their best against Pitt two weeks ago. Definitely would be more nervous had um, Maryland stayed undefeated and beaten Temple. Yeah, uh, and I, for uh, the record, am also still very happy they lost to Temple because I didn't lead to cheap receipts for my father-in-law and I. Uh, I think this will be a good game. I do think six and a half points is a favorite. Um, I think they, they definitely cover that spread. I don't know. What are you thinking for for maybe like final points? Yeah, um, I'm going Penn State's going to cover. I'll say they win by maybe 10 or so. Touchdown in the field goal. Yeah, it's, I'm thinking they win, win by about that. I, I could see them winning by like 13 or 14 there. Mm-hmm. Um, I just – I see the offense. If we get those pieces together and if we and if we find a way to to make the RPO work – because, again, I'm not a huge fan of, of the RPO as the bread and butter of an offense. Uh, and, and I feel like this is a rant that I'm just going to keep on going on until I see otherwise. But it's hard to create that momentum for a running back whenever – you take the snap and you hand it right to the back and they don't have a couple steps. And in the meantime, the defensive line has two steps in your backfield already. You know, I want to give our running backs the opportunity to build up speed and charge ahead. But I think if we can find a way and Ricky Ronnie has certainly shown and, and you know, Moorhead showed too, that there's a way to make it work. Once we figure out how to get it to work for Clifford, you know, I think the offense will be humming. So, yeah, I think uh, this could be a big coming out game for them, or it could just be, you know, another one of those, all right, good, Penn State won, um, 4-0, and and who's next, you know? Yeah, I I agree with there. So, um, you ready to get to our picks for the week? Let's do it, man. We were were really pro-level. I mean, I don't know how much game day um, people that are listening watch, but, Caleb, I think we need to be called as a guest picker sometime. Yeah, we both went five and two last week. We're up to twelve and eight on the year, both of us. Mm-hmm. So a good week for us. Hopefully, we can keep that going this week. First yeah. game we got here, ranked opponents. We talked about both teams earlier. Number eighteen Virginia at number ten Notre Dame. Notre Dame a twelve point favorite. Yeah, this is a this is a game where you know I want to root for Virginia. Uh, there's a lot of people I know who uh, support Virginia in you know being a resident of the state. But I haven't seen enough of them to know that they can compete at a at a high level like I have seen from Notre Dame, especially after that Georgia game. That Georgia game showed, you know, Notre Dame is no joke. So I do think Notre Dame wins this game, uh, and I, I think they cover the spread. Yeah, I'm going Notre Dame too. The only worry I think you have here is maybe a letdown after having that tough game against Georgia where they, you know, maybe they practice isn't as great this week because they're a little tired after a brutal game there. That's the only thing I think you have to worry about, but I'll take Notre Dame as well. Yeah. Uh, So the next game we have, Caleb, we have number 21 USC at number 17 Washington, Helton versus Pearson. Uh, and Washington's a nine-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. What do you think? I'm going with the home team here again. I'm taking Washington. 
I don't know. It's it's it seems like it's impossible to predict how USC is going to perform this this year. Mm-hmm. It seems like whenever a quarterback gets injured, they play their best. Whenever they have the same starting quarterback again, they do not as well. We'll see how Washington pre- prepares with um, another new quarterback that they have to look at. They do have a basically a full game's worth of tape to look at him. So I'll take Washington at home. Yeah, I feel really soured on Washington ever since their their playoff appearance. Uh, I, I just don't see Washington as good of a, an opponent as USC. I think USC wins this game. I don't think it's a very um, – like, I don't think it's a blowout win, but I, I am going to pick USC to win by, uh, we'll say, a field goal. Next one here, another Pac-12 matchup. This one's also on Friday night along with side the Penn State game. Arizona State, fresh off their upset loss, so they're no longer ranked at number 15, Cal. Cal being a five-point favorite. Yeah, I see this as a bounce back. Herm Edwards and the boys, uh, they they come in and, and they want some revenge. Uh, Cal, you know, it, it's one of those teams where whenever Aaron Rodgers was quarterback there, great stuff. And, and there was a period where they were performing really well. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't see enough from them either. I think this is, you know, if, if we need an upset pick for the week, I think this would probably be it. And it wouldn't be too big of an upset considering Arizona was ranked before they lost last week. Uh, what do you think on this one? I'm taking Cal. You know, these Friday night games are a little weird, as we saw last week with Utah and USC. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Cal's just the better team, though, so I'll take Cal at home. Okay. Now, the next game, Caleb, we have number 24, Kansas State. Or no, I'm sorry. I skipped. Uh, let's go back there. We have Washington State at number 19, Utah. Utah, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Who you got? I'm taking Utah, going with the home team again here. They're coming off the disappointing loss last week against USC, but now they have an extra day of rest. Washington State also coming off an upset too. So both teams looking to rebound here. I'll take the home team though, Utah. I'll take them um, I'll take them close though, 3-point victory. I like Mike Leach. And I'm buying into the the Minshew magic of the NFL, uh, but I'm not buying into them playing number 19 Utah. I'm with you. I think this is a bounce back game for Utah. I think they're kind of embarrassed by how they played last week and uh, I think they I think they get I think they win by, you know, six. Uh, But like you, I don't think it's going to be a a huge sort of blowout win for them either. Okay. Now we have number 24, Kansas State at Oklahoma State. You know, uh, Kansas State, no longer the Bill Snyder team. Uh, Oklahoma State played kind of competitively at parts against Texas. Oklahoma State, the five-point favorite. Who you got? Um, even though Kansas State is ranked, Oklahoma State is actually the favorite playing at home, and I will take Oklahoma State in this one. As you said, they kind of play Texas tough. Texas kind of always seem to keep it at an arm's length. Never too big of an upset chance there for the Cowboys, but I will take Mike Gundy and Oklahoma State to hold at home. What about you? I'm a man. I'm not 40, but I'm a man. Uh, and if you don't get that reference, you know uh, – Watch, watch a YouTube video of, of Mike Gundy. Yeah, I think Oklahoma State and I think the Cowboys wrap up here. Uh, I think they cover the spread. I think they win probably by a touchdown. All right, next one we have here, UAB at Western Kentucky. If you don't know why we picked the Western Kentucky games, go back a few episodes. We explain it there. UAB is a field goal favorite here. Phil, who do you got? 
This is tough. You know, University of Alabama, Birmingham Dragons versus uh, the Hilltopper. Right? What is it? Is the Hilltoppers to Western Kentucky? I'm having yeah. a brain lapse right now. Yep, Hilltoppers. Yeah. Okay. Good. Glad I didn't forget. Um. Yeah, this is a tough one for me, and I have like a a minor emotional connection. You know, again, if you haven't listened to Why We Root for Western Kentucky and you played the NCAA uh, football video game, go back. A, like I think it's two episodes ago to the picks and we explain why. Uh, but UAB, whenever they got rid of their football program, I was really sad about it. And then whenever they brought it back and they started to perform well, you know, I was I was very happy for UAB, excited for them to be a part of that. UAB is the three point favorite here. This is a tough game. There there are two teams that I that I actually really like. Um but I'm gonna pick the Dragons of UAB to win this one. Uh and I think it's I think it's just a cover. I think it's just a field goal. Yeah, I'm going with the home team here. I'm taking Western Kentucky. Um, boy. Yeah, ESPN's got it pretty much as a coin flip. I think they have Western Kentucky slightly favored by their football power index. So it should be a tough game, t- tight game there. I'll take Western Kentucky, who are in first place in, uh, I think they're in Conference USA, despite being one and two. <laughs> yeah. P- power six conferences, Caleb. <laughs> All right, and this leads us to the big one. Friday Night Lights, number 12, Penn State, the seven-point favorite here, six-and-a-half-point favorite against Maryland. Um, we're both picking Penn State. So, uh, again, you know, what do you th- – let's go ahead and let's just do uh, – let's do final score, Caleb. Yeah. Uh, Maryland's been high-scoring team so far this year. Temple held them down a little bit, so I'll go high score, and the over-under on this one is about 60 or so. I'll say Penn State wins this one 45-35. Okay. Um, as I look at this game, and I think this is a really important game for Penn State to come out and start conference play strong, um, and I know what I said just a few minutes ago, and, and I'm not exactly going to counteract what I said, but I'm going to you know, increase the margin of, of victory here. I'd say Penn State wins this game 42-24. to 24. You know, it's an 18-point spread there. And uh, I think it'll be a fun game to go watch. I think it'll – even though I want Penn State to start off strong and start off fast, I don't think it's going to happen. So I think it'll be a really good first quarter to watch. Um, but I think after a little while, Penn State's going to get cruising and – you know, one or two of those touchdowns for Maryland is going to be in garbage time. So yeah, those are our picks for the week. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed listening to the show tonight or today. And, and as you're listening to it and you want to connect with us, please consider checking us out on Twitter at CPFB podcast. Also, you can find us pretty much anywhere where you can find podcasts, but especially if you listen to us on Apple podcasts, we would love it. If you would take some time and give us a five-star rating, we're just two guys that really like talking about college football. And we decided, Hey, let's make a podcast about it. So, you know, hopefully you enjoy listening to us as well. Caleb, before we sign off, uh, any last words of wisdom for the, for the listeners? Uh, thanks for listening and Phil hope you enjoy watching the game hopefully you bring Penn State some good luck yes can't wait alright everybody see you later